0: Jesus power in your name. trust in your ways
1: And in a lot of ways, you know what it was Abram's fault because he should have known better. And he should have said, Sarah, I know that sounds like a good idea, but maybe we don't need to help God out. But he didn't. And the reality is, is that sin has consequences. It does for all of us. God forgives us for our sins, but we still got to live out the consequences of the actions that we do, the things that we do. Just because God has forgiven us doesn't mean that there still are consequences for the things that we've done.
0: In our lives, we make messes, big ones. We involve others. We alter the course God has planned, but we serve a forgiving father. In today's message, Pastor Daniel follows the course of events that led Sarai and Abram to the birth of Ishmael by their maidservant. Those events, however, were completely orchestrated by two people who thought they were helping God out, the almighty God of everything. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis 16 with part one of his message entitled, Ishmael.
1: 16 is a sad chapter in one sense, and it's an encouraging chapter in another sense. It's a sad chapter because we see Abram being encouraged by his wife, Sarah, and they make just a really lousy decision because they think that God needs their help to do what God wants to do. Anybody else ever feel that way? That like God like needs me to show up and do certain things to get God's will done. And so we're going to see that. So it's sad, but it's also encouraging because what you're going to find also is that God is gracious and God doesn't dismiss Abram because of his mistakes. God doesn't say, listen, you don't got it all together, so I'm done with you. That's not who God is. And that's encouraging for us because every time I see somebody in the scriptures who isn't perfect, who God still blesses despite themselves, I'm like, thank you, Lord, Because I realize that there is hope for me. Because I'm not going to get everything right. And you're not going to get everything right. We're going to try and we're going to try our best to do things right by the Lord and we're still going to fail in a million ways. But God doesn't give up on us. I think of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. that says, he who started a good work will be faithful to complete it in you until the coming of the Lord. And that's encouraging because if God started a work in us, even though we're going to make a million mistakes along the way, he's going to be faithful to complete the work. Now, look at what happens. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, it says this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife... Had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. So Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived her mistress became despised in her eyes. Verse 5, Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and you. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now, God had promised Abram a seed, an offspring, right? And at this point, they'd been dwelling in the land for some time, and it still hadn't happened yet. So Sarai realized that she had not born a child yet, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Now, what's interesting is that if you realize she had an Egyptian maidservant— do you remember when Abram in Genesis 12 went down to Egypt and he said, hey, tell him you're my sister. And, and Sarai was taken into Pharaoh's court. It says that when that Abram was blessed and, and the Pharaoh had given him gold and silver and men and maidservants, that's where Hagar came from. And Hagar was one of her servants. Now, look at what she says in verse 2. It says, so Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Huh? The Lord has restrained me from bearing children. So who's being blamed right now for her barrenness? The Lord. Now it's true, the Lord had restrained. But it wasn't God's time yet. So she's blaming the Lord, and she has an idea. She says, the Lord has to give me children. So in the middle of verse 2, Please go into my maid, perhaps I shall obtain children by her. So Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. So Sarai encouraged Abram to take part in what was essentially a surrogate mother arrangement in that day. It was very common. You're going to see Jacob's two wives doing this. It was very common for when the mistress... Now, you know, we use these words like, you know, a uh, maid, servant, and mistress. Mistress means something different in our day and age. Okay, a mistress in their day and age was, was the matriarch of the home. The head honcho woman, the alpha female... Okay, the maidservant was, was the people who worked for that woman. It's very common for wealthy landowners to have servants in their home. Okay, and so Sarai said to Abram, look, I want you to take Hagar, and you're going to be able to take her as wife, and, and you're going to be able to have intercourse with her, and then when she has children, in that culture, when a servant girl had the child for her mistress, then the, the family adopted the child. So this is Sarai's plan. Now, it says here that Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Now, we haven't been studying in Genesis too long. This is very reminiscent of another time when a wife encouraged her husband to do something other than what God's will was. Remember Eve? When she, she decided to eat, she gave it to Adam and he ate. Now, this does not mean, because we've seen two of these, that husbands should never listen to their wives. Okay, that's not what it means. We know a lot of you guys don't need biblical justification to do that anyway. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Woo! But the reality is that we need to make sure that we are honoring God in our family decisions. And whether the husband... Because we saw Abram say, Hey, Sarah, say that you're my sister. You know, so everybody's culpable here. Everybody's making mistakes here. But we need to make... As couples, as married couples For you single people, when you get married If God wills that for you and that's what you desire You and your spouse needs to make a covenant with each other That we're going to honor the Lord And if one of us has a dingbat idea The other one's going to call them on it Okay? So if, uh, if somebody's trying to make a decision That is not going to honor the Lord That isn't the will of God Someone's got to speak up But here Abram just goes along He goes along with Sarah's plan. So what happens in verse 3? Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. Verse 4, so he went in to Hagar. Now, went in, that that is a biblical language for having sexual relations with her. Okay? So he went in to Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Wow. Now, imagine this. Abram and Sarah have been married a long time. There's been no children conceived. And now all of a sudden, she gives Hagar to be his wife. And right away, Hagar gets pregnant. And then all of a sudden, Hagar starts looking down on Sarai. In that culture, a woman's job was to have children. That was her primary function. Now, our day and age isn't that way. And you can thank Jesus for that. You look at any culture where the gospel is not part of the foundation, you're going to see women... Solely relegated to the lot of solely being child bearers. Okay? So, at that point, Hagar starts giving Sarai a hard time. There's tension there. Hagar began to despise Sarai. Now, in Proverbs chapter 30, it says in verse 21, For these three things the earth is perturbed. Yes, for four it cannot bear up. And then in verse 23 of that chapter, it says, A hateful woman when she is married and a maidservant who succeeds her mistress. What that's saying is that dissonance happens when a maidservant succeeds her mistress. When a servant girl is more blessed than the matriarch of the family, there is going to be dissonance there. So you see what happens when Abram and Sarah try and help God out, trouble ensues. Warren Wiersbe said it this way, true faith is living without scheming. True faith is living without scheming. Abram and Sarai are what? They're scheming. God promised an error. We're going to help God out. We're going to work it out. So the question for each one of us today is, if true faith is living without scheming, how are you scheming? And however it is that you are scheming, that is how you are not trusting God. Whatever it is that you're trying to do this thing, work this thing out. Now, don't get me wrong. I like to use the word righteous scheming, which is when you're trying to accomplish the work of the kingdom and sometimes you've got to think about that. But Abram and Sarah, this is not righteous scheming. They're just trying to help God out. And God doesn't need any help. Now, look at what happens. In verse 5, Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. You got to love that. Now it's Abram's fault. She was the one who recommended it. He agreed. And now it's his fault. And any of you who have been married, you just know what this is like. The blame game in marriage began in the Garden of Eden. And we have been perfecting it in every generation since then. Right? It's your fault. But what you have here is, she recommended it, Abram said okay, and then once everything started going bad with Hagar, it was Abram's fault. And in a lot of ways, you know what, it was Abram's fault. Because he should have known better. And he should have said, Sarah, I know that sounds like a good idea, but maybe we don't need to help God out. But he didn't. And the reality is, is that sin has consequences. It does. For all of us. God forgives us for our sins, but we still got to live out the consequences of the actions that we do, the things that we do. Just because God has forgiven us doesn't mean that there still isn't consequences for the things that we've done. So, Sarai's upset. My wrong be upon you. I gave my maiden to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. <laughs> Sarai's, this is what you call being Annoyed. Being ticked off. She's ticked. That's a ticked off verse in the Bible. Okay? The Lord judge between you and me. And Abram, look what he says in verse 6 there. He says, so Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So Abram said, look, she's your, she's your Maidservant, do what you want to do. Which is kind of awful because she became his wife. You see what a mess this is? In six verses, this is a total mess now. I mean, I'm amazed somebody hasn't done a Hollywood film about this stuff. I mean, you can't even, you know, a thousand daytime soap operas have this storyline in it. You know what I mean? It's just a, a nightmare. So she deals harshly with Hagar. That's what she does. And Hagar just flees. She's like, I can't live like this. Now look at what happens in verse 7. It says, now the angel of the Lord found her, speaking of Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said to Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand shall be against him. He shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So now, she flees from the presence of Sarai. She flees from her mistress. And as she's going, we've come up with this, the angel of the Lord. The messenger of the Lord. Found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. This is the first time we meet this angel of the Lord. Who you'll find some 48 times in your Bible. And there's a lot of discussions about who the angel of the Lord is. There's a lot of commentators who would say that this is an Old Testament incarnation of Jesus, the Messiah. Some people would say it's one of the archangels. You guys know what I'm always going to say. And when the Bible is silent, what? We should be also. So... I don't know who the angel of the Lord is. But I know he keeps popping up and he speaks in the name of God. I don't feel comfortable saying that this is an Old Testament incarnation of Jesus. Because it doesn't say he's the Messiah. It says he's the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord. Some people believe that. And if you believe that, I have no problem that you believe that this is a, you know, a theophany, a, a, a sighting of Jesus in the Old Testament. And I'm okay with that. A lot of people who I really respect and love... Great scholars believe that. Other ones say, well, it just doesn't say that. So we don't know. But look at what happens here. You got to love this angel. What does he say? Hagar, hey Sarah's maid. Where have you come from and where are you going? Fascinating. He knows her name. He knows that she's Sarah's maid. Where are you coming from and where are you going? See, this, I love this about the way God works. Because oftentimes, God just doesn't tell us the score. He makes us have to talk about it. God doesn't just say, this is the deal. Sometimes you just ask. like, remember when Adam and Eve, they were hiding from the Lord? Where are you? God knew exactly where he was. But God likes to ask a question to draw somebody out. He knew exactly who she was. He knew exactly that she was Sarah's maid. He knew everything. But he asked, where are you coming from? And where are you going? And Hagar simply answered, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Right Now think about this, this whole calamity Abram and Sarah making a big mess Hagar is fleeing this Egyptian girl And the angel of Yahweh shows up to talk to her This shows God's grace it Shows God's love This angel in the name of Yahweh See the angel of the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D That's the personal name of God That tetragrammaton The Yud, the hey, the Vuv, and the he. Yahweh Old school Jehovah. That's the way they used to say it. Comes and speaks to her. Look at what he says in verse 9. And, and really there's two focuses or foci of, of this discussion. First, it's the status of Hagar in Abram's house. And second, the future of her son. So really, this angel comes to share two things with her. Her status in the house and what's going to happen to her son. You get the status. Look at verse 9. Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. She says, go back and submit. Now, it's interesting. I did, a, I did a staff devotion just this week on the spiritual discipline of submission. You might say, that's a strange thing to talk about at a staff meeting. But the reality is that the Bible teaches submission As the way it is to be a Christian First we submit to the Lord And then we submit to each other Before a a wife submits to her husband It says submit yourselves to one another In the fear of the Lord Submission is the heart posture Of every believer. First we submit ourselves to God. We submit ourselves to his word. And then we submit ourselves to one another. We esteem others higher than ourselves. We realize that the greatest in the kingdom are the servants of all. That's submission language. The apostle Paul talks about himself as a debtor to the whole world. He's saying, I am submissive to the whole world in the name of Jesus that I may serve it. It It's interesting that even though... Sarai is not treating her right. She says, go back and submit to her and honor her. Now, I don't even have to make an application for you and I. Because we all feel the tension, don't we? Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. We live in a culture in America that the concept of submission is abhorrent to our culture. You know why? Because we had the blessing of the 60s where everyone, you know, we're all the hippies. Like, question authority, Right? And then when all those hippies became, you know, yuppies and they had kids, then they, they already had a question authority mindset and they just taught their kids to not respect authority. And so we live in a culture where everyone thinks that they are the final authority on everything. You know, as I love when I talk to my son Obadiah and Obadiah tells me something, I'm, I'm like, Obadiah, that's not really true. Yes, it is. Well, buddy, no, it doesn't act, that's not actually what it means. Uh-huh. You know, my, my other seven-year-old buddy told me so. And, and we laugh, but we're all like that, right? I mean, when was the last time you voluntary, voluntarily submitted to somebody? Have you ever? I hope so. Because we submit to God by submitting to other people. Just the way we love God by loving other people. And so, husbands, you submit yourselves to your wives. Wives, you submit yourselves to your husband. We submit ourselves under our bosses. And we're the best employees in the world in the name of Jesus. We submit ourselves under government, even when we don't like it. Now, we know that submission has a stopping point when it becomes destructive. That's where submission has its end point. When submitting is destructive, And you find that in a number of places in the Scriptures. But the reality is, is for most of us, we don't submit at all to anybody, right? And I'm here to tell you that submission is a spiritual discipline that's very valuable to God. When I'm talking to a husband and a wife or, or a child and their parents, I say, listen, you submit to the Lord and your spouse gets the benefit. You submit to your to the Lord, and your parents get the benefit. As we submit to God, the people around us get the benefit of that. Because if we're submitted to God, then we're going to submit ourselves to one another. Oftentimes, submission is always being spoken about of wives submitting their husbands. But at first it begins with submit to one another, and then it says, wives submit to your husbands, and husbands die for your wives. And I get tired of hearing people say, oh, the apostle Paul, he's sexist. I'm like, darn right he is. He's anti-male. Because I'd rather submit than die any day. So people say, oh, I don't understand this. Women are less than men. They have to submit. I'm like, man, men have to die for their wives. And you know what? It's really easy to submit to a person who's willing to give up their life for you. Right? We submit to Jesus because he's willing to die on a cross for our sins. And submission is a spiritual discipline. And it's fascinating that the angel of the Lord says, Hagar, go back and submit yourself. You're not supposed to be out here. Go back. And what else? Go back and look what it says in verse 10. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. Wow. He blesses her. He says, listen, I'm going to multiply your descendants exceedingly. I've promised to bless Abram and I'm going to bless you with them. Your descendants are going to be multiplied. In verse 11, it goes on to say this. It says, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears, because the Lord has heard your affliction. Wow. What a promise. Go back and submit. I'm going to bless you with a ton of descendants. And you're with child, you're going to have a son. His name's Ishmael. And that means God hears. Now, as she begins to discuss, or when the angel tells her about her son, he shall be a wild man.
0: Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel asked us to consider how we're scheming. In other words, not trusting God. Abram and Sarai used their maidservant to have a child, even though God had promised them they would have one. Hagar fled the bad treatment, but the Lord intervened, sending an angel to promise a blessing for her and her son, Ishmael. God was willing to forgive the sins of his people, but there would still be consequences. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to com and follow Pastor Daniel. Now the next time you join us here on Jesus Is Real Radio, we'll hear more about what the angel of the Lord said to Hagar after she had fled Abram's house to the wilderness. God will make a covenant with Abram, promising to multiply his descendants. All this when he's 99 years old. God declares himself as the Almighty, which is something for us to remember, that he is the All-Sufficient One. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Patriarchs next time. Until then, may God bless.